Should we do a levels check just in case? No, nice. we good? It's working. It's, it's good. Oh, yeah. It's nuts good. to the wind red. We're good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Here we go. Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 88. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to continue the arc of the monoproblematic with balls to the wall red. Now hit our theme song. Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down. We've reached the section of the arc of the mono problematic that will be my favorite because we're talking about the colors that I like the best, which is nice. And I'm hoping that we're going to entertain and inform our audience this week. Very much informed both in the decks that we're not building, but also the deck that you did build. Yeah, I, I, I like this deck a lot. When, I, when we were talking about it yesterday before we came in to record, I was kind of down on it a little bit. I had kind of an idea that wasn't fully fleshed out. I figured we could kind of talk through it on the show. And you were like, Brando, what are you doing? Why are you doing it like that? Let's just crank it up to 14 and let's just do that deck. 14 out of 10, that is. Yes. Okay. And so that's what we did. And I feel way better about it now. I'm really excited. Yeah, very much. That seems to be my thing. Brando, (laughs) (laughs) crank it up a little bit. (laughs) Teaser, who are we doing today? We are doing Atali, the Primal Storm. Huh. I wonder what problem in red he solves. I'll tell you in a few minutes. But first, we have some other housekeeping matters to get out of the way. Big shout out to Command Zone, Josh and DJ. They uh, they gave us a little shout out and sent some people over our way. If you're new to Commander Cookout podcast, welcome. Yes, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Do we send them an FU? Absolutely we do. Okay, F you. If you're new, uh, why don't you come sooner? Yeah, you missed all kinds of great stuff that you can now check out on commandercookout.com. Ooh, spicy segue. That was good, eh? (laughs) I like that one lots. Yeah, we have our entire backlog and then, of course, links to all our social media, Facebook, Twitter. We've got a few articles up there. I'm currently working on another one in my line of MTG Wellness articles, so you can check that out coming up in the, I guess, next week or so. Uh, No hard commitments there, certainly. And of course, you can find our Patreon page there, where we have a small giveaway going on right now. Why don't you run everybody through our two current giveaways? Okay, the first one is the card of the the week. 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 Giveaway, where... For the arc of Mono Problematic, which is about seven shows long, every card of the week that we give away or that we do will be not crappy, we promise, and we're going to give away a set of foils. So far on the pile, we have a Cather's Crusade, a Cyclonic Rift, and a Necropotence, I believe. Yes. And then whatever comes out of this episode will also be added to the stack, and it's going to be a card that's going to go in your monocolor or, I guess, multicolor deck if it really. And it fixes up a problem that the deck has a little bit. So how do we win that? And you win that by going to our not so much brand new anymore, but our fairly new fledgling YouTube page and liking, subscribing. You smash the like button. Yeah. Or leave a comment and follow us or whatever you do on YouTube to interact with us. And you'll be entered in for each time you do that. And at the end of the arc, we will draw a name out of the proverbial hat, and somebody will win a super sweet set of foil cards. Yeah, it could be seven or eight, or however long the arc is, I guess, number of sweet foils. Which every, everybody in EDH likes sweet foils, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, there are times where people are like, ooh, no, they're marked because they're folded in half like a hot dog if they're from the from the vault set. Exactly. And you know what? You could get around that problem if you just foiled out your whole deck, and we're going to help you do that. Very much so. <laughs> if you don't like foils, though, we do have an altered card giveaway as well. Ooh, now my turn for the spicy segue. Uh, that was good. Okay, so it's tied to our patron page. If you want to and are able to support us financially in any way, shape, or form, you can head over to our Patreon page. New patrons from now until the end of the arc. That is the end of December 2018. Any new patrons, sign up. You get a free Christmas-themed card alteration done by myself, sent to you for free. 
Wow. They're uh, they're fun. I actually like doing them because it's always like I put Santa clothes on something and it's like how can I how can I force Santa into this art? Right? <laughs> how can I make this guy hold a candy cane and look like he's clubbing somebody on the head with it? Something like that. Santa clubbing somebody with a candy cane while forcing himself in. Do not Google that. <laughs> Do not. Do not. Okay, so nothing's behind a paywall in CCO Nation, though. Everything can be free, including our giveaways. So if you are not a patron and you still want to get in on some Christmas giveaways, we have additional ones for, as a, I guess, a secondary prize for subscribing or leaving a comment on any of our YouTube videos. Like Brando said, yes, you get yourself entered in for a card of the week giveaway, but you're also going to get a Christmas gift giveaway thrown on top of that. Great. And then for any of our current patrons, we very much thank you. You guys are the reasons that the YouTube channel exists, the extra content, the articles, the website, it all exists because of you. So we have a premium altar giveaway as well. Ooh. Yeah, and that is going to be something probably end up going to be something from my personal decks that I have that's altered. And uh, I put a picture up on on Facebook and Twitter a little while ago of some of the stuff that you could win. So there's like some space altar panoramas and stuff that were really popular this year. And uh, I think I have an extra Stoneforge Mystic. Everybody likes that to find your Jeet or Batter Skull or whatever it is that uh, beats wholesale ass in Commander. We like to do that. That is why we're here. So if you're a current patron, thank you very much. We, yes, thank you. We uh, couldn't do it without you, and we're going to give back um, just around Christmas time. Tis the season. Before we move on, uh, and speaking of, of our, our generous patrons, we have a couple of shout-outs to do. Oh, patron shout-outs, and you know what that means. Funny nicknames. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Shout-out to Greg Jones. Funny nickname? Greg Jones? That's so generic. Jones only rhymes with bones, and boneses are wieners, and we don't want to do that because we always make wiener jokes. Hmm. Wiener jokes. Anything you say may be used against you. It's dead Jones! Is that a RoboCop reference? That is a RoboCop reference, yes. Was that a young Red Foreman? That was a young Red Foreman. So Greg Jones is now Dick Jones. Dick Jones. Next shout-out. Shay, uh, not sure how to say this, but I'm going to say it how I want to say it. Shay, shoeless. Shoeless Shay. That was easy. That was an easy one. That was good. Yeah, take note, Dick Jones. <laughs> Next shout-out. Justin Marlowe. Marlowe. And Marlowe, as we all know, means in Kurdish. I thought you were an English major. Shut up. Marlowe, as we all know, in Kurdish, means to marry a snake. So we can call him Snake Marrier. How about Snake... Oh, we already made a wiener joke. Snake Marrier. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Justin Snake Marrier. I like it. That's going to be a hard one for me to remember, because I don't speak whatever you said. Steve Wooster. And he said... Don't just make fun of my last name. People have done that to me my whole life. He said, <laughs> be creative. Because <laughs> when I saw that, I saw that he was a new patron and I was like, Wooster, that rhymes with Brewster. That's like my favorite restaurant when I go to Regina. What? <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like Steve Brewster, but he's like, no, do something more creative. Well, Mr. Demanding Pants, what do we do with Steve? Like, seriously, Steve is one of the more generic names out there. And there's not, what am I just calling him? Bob. See, Steve is so generic, we can't even urban dictionary it and come up with something funny to say about you because everything on urban dictionary is, ooh, Steve is so kind and so wonderful. And Wooster means vagina, dude. You can't send us a name that means vagina and then tell us to make fun of Steve. That's not how it works. <laughs> so your name is Steve Gina. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's my funniest. That's my favorite nickname ever. <laughs> I, I want to meet Steve. I want to meet this Steve. I want to have drinks with Steve. <laughs> this is awesome. We do what we can. Steve, good on you. <laughs> I hope we roast to the challenge. I like how the nicknames are just turning into roasts. <laughs> Let us know if you want more roasty or more nicknamey. I don't do know. You, do you actually want people to call you the nickname, like the Dooch, or do you want uh, us to roast you, like Steve? 
Yeah, let, let us know. Let us know. Uh, at CCO Podcast or at CCO Brando on Twitter. Yeah. It's a good place for that. Should we do a deck? Let's do a deck. Sure. Atali, the Primal Storm. One, my very favorite dinosaur of all the dinosaurs, which is really cool. Also cool art. He's getting struck by lightning and it's just pissing him off. And he is a 6-6 six, six for red, red, four. And whenever he attacks, attacks, you exile the top card of each player's library. Then you cast any number of non-land cards exiled this way for free. Okay, so it wouldn't be the arc of Mono problematic without asking the question, what problem does red have? What problems, plural, does red have? <laughs> and how is this deck fixing them? Now, this is what I think right off the bat. Go to edhrec.com. That's where lots of people start to do their builds from. Okay, fine. We see a deck, lots of big creatures, because Atali lets you cheat stuff into play. Which is statistically, I think, the most powerful thing you can do in Magic. Probably. You you want your Ulamog or your Kozilek? Zero mana. Boom. Into play just for dealing six damage to somebody. Yeah. Okay, cool. And joining him is that guy's Ulamog and that guy's Emrakul and that guy's... Yeah, whatever they have on top of their library. Fine. But that's not what we're doing today. That feels very much like a Rakdos Lord of Riots deck or every other big battle cruiser EDH deck out there. And we know that if we're playing mono red, that strategy doesn't really work because we don't have any real good forms of card draw other than artifacts. We don't really ramp. It's not like we're digging through our deck to find lands like in green, right? So the next thing I think of is we should do Storm. He's got Storm right in the name. <laughs> that it does. And just with the hypothetical thing, we've talked about it on the show. You can check that out. I forget what episode it was in, but you can look this up very easily. If you were to play something like, let's just say, Dragon Storm, and you Storm to four, you win the game. There is a mono-red deal 40 to your face Dragon Storm combo when you can cast Dragon Storm four times. I think, you know what, I think um, I think Jumbo Commander actually did a little bit of a piece on that in a Lathless Dragon Queen deck, or whatever her name is, when M19 came up. And you know why Atali is better than Lathless Dragon Queen? You get your Storm 4 just by attacking. Yes. You attack, go, thing, 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 win. Wait a second. We said no infinite combos or, like, stuff like that in Archimonal Problematic because it's cheating. Yeah, we're not doing that. So what are we doing? What we're going to do is... First off, let's look at what, when somebody says, we're going to play mono red, what do you think? Based on your 60-card magic deck, what do you think of? Uh, burn. That's not going to get like you. The, like the modern burn deck or whatever, legacy burn or something. That's not going to take you anywhere in EDH. You're not going to kill, you're probably not going to kill one person with that in EDH, yeah. let alone three, four. So what else do you think of? I think of um, like tribal decks, goblins, dragons. Yeah, low to the ground goblins, right? Mm -hmm. Super fast, but they run out of gas. Usually post-wrath. You get wrathed once, and you're not neutered, but it's going to take you a long time to rebuild. Short of running something like like a Kranko or Kiki-Jiki combo list, um, or adding other colors to give you more token production. And uh, al Also, we want to keep things spicy here, and we've done three different goblin decks on the show. Really? Well, yeah. Episode one was Zatahedron Grinder, my version versus your version, and then when we talked about... I think it was just in the Arc of Mono Problematic we talked about Krenko. Krenko Gang Beating is what it was called. Oh, that was, um, no, that was Arc of the Archetype. He was our aggro deck. There we go. That was like episode 13 or so. Yes, they were earlier on in the show's lifetime, but we have talked lots of goblins. So F that, we're not doing that again. We haven't really answered the question yet is what is Red's problem? We've, we've alluded to it in that we said that Red's strategy doesn't really lend itself to uh, the long game or the 40 life format or the multiplayer aspect of Commander. So what we've done is we've, or what I've done here is I have fixed that, I think, by building a deck that has cards that scale essentially to how long the game has been going. And then there's cards in there as well that are going to take that scaling and amp that up to unheard of heights. On the way up, <laughs> on the way up to... The booth today, we talked about a 900 damage bane fire we can do. Actually. Then that's real stuff. So, and not many people are going to live through that. So, here's the thing we're not really drawing cards in this deck. We've got like six card draw spells, and they're like draw a card and discard a card, or 
exile the top card of your library, you can cast it until end of turn. That's not really draw, and it, it's not like something in blue that says, like, draw four cards. You're not filling up your hand with anything in red. But red's strategy is focused enough that if, if let's say, you drew three cards from a cathartic reunion and one of those cards fits in the current strategy or your current plan to win that game, that's all you need. And if you don't have that, you need some way to draw the game out so you can last until you have enough mana and enough mana rocks to, I guess, win all at once. This, this deck kind of relies on your political game and your very strategic use of the cards that you have to get you into that late game. And then when nobody's expecting it, you just destroy them. Specifically your damaged-based um, creature sweepers, right? Yes. Okay, so we're going to start with creatures. And then the very last one, we're going to put a special emphasis on to, I guess, keep everybody reminded of what the deck is doing. Yes. Okay. Good so, one. Okay. So let's start off with one of those early game survivability cards. Ooh, yes. Adamaru, First to Desire. He's a three-drop star star from Krapagawa block. Yeah. Power and toughness equal to the number of cards in your opponent's hand that has the most cards. So that blue guy that's got the 22-card hand, pretty good in a late game. And early on in the game, if you can power him out on turn, maybe turn two, you can get Adamaro. He's a 7-7 seven, seven for three. Yeah, if he's on turn two, he is no trifle trifle. He's no joke. And even on a turn three or a turn four, he's still a 5-5-6-6 five, five, six, six in a lot of games of EDH. Especially if you're playing with somebody who keeps one landers like JJ, and then he's a 6-6 six, six at least for the whole game. F you, JJ! Yeah! Next up, we have Anger. Gives you guys haste when he's in your graveyard. Good with a tolly. Next up, we have one of those scalable cards I was talking about, Ashling the Pilgrim. So 1-1 one, one for 2. She is a 1-1 one, one for 2. Red, 1. Put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Ashling the Pilgrim. If it's the third time this ability has resolved, remove all those counters, and it deals um, damage equal to the plus 1, plus 1 counters on it. To each creature and each player. Ye to each creature and each player. I think remember that phrase, right? Yeah. And specifically, coming up as we go through the deck, we're going to find stuff that either maybe prevents damage to you or, get this, gains life in red. What? The only thing we care about is having more life than anybody else. Correct. And we don't care if it's one life or 25 life. We want one more life than everyone else. You look back to our deck from last week, Mono Black Suicide Dot Deck. As long as you still have one life and everybody else is dead, you might as well have a million life. Oh yeah, good tie-in. Yeah. I also want to point out, I think that this ability that's on Ashling and a few other elemental creatures, specifically in Lorowen, should have been called Overload. I know that they used Overload, but I think that Overload would have served better here because all of them were like, activate the ability, activate the ability, activate the ability, and then something crazy happens. Huh. You, you've overloaded Ashling and she blows up. And then we're going to have another one in here later where you overload it and it creates a whole whack of mana. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, just FYI. Another elemental. Chandra's Spitfire. I like this one. Okay, so red, two, flying, one, three. Whenever an opponent is dealt non-combat damage, Chandra's Spitfire gets plus three, plus zero until end of turn. And it has flying. So if you cast a lightning bolt, let's just say, and you target them, they take three. Then this gets plus three, plus zero. So it has four power and it's flying in. That's seven. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's solid. And if you Earthquake for one and you have three opponents, you've dealt damage to three opponents, gets plus nine plus oh, and then somebody's taken ten. And if you have a Pyrohemia and you pump two mana into it, each opponent takes one damage twice. So it would get plus 12 plus 12? You get plus 18 plus oh. So it'd be a 19-3 flyer. Really? It gets that big? Yeah. Because you're hitting three people. It gets nine each time you do... I don't even know if we're playing Pyrohemia. We'll have to see later in the deck. I don't even know how to do math that big. That creature's big. That creature's insane. Moving on. There are so many creatures in this deck, I just want to say this, that I've been waiting so long to play in any deck because they're kind of not very good. But as I started putting them in this deck and they got, like, not broken, but really, really good, I'm, I'm very excited. That's kind of what CCO Podcast is about, right? Yeah. Welcome to CCO Nation. We've been saving up these creatures for years. We can finally pull them out of the dusty $1 box at our local stores and $1 box. I'm getting overzealous here. We can pull them out of the 10-cent box. <laughs> there we go. Next up, not in the 10-cent box, 
but a cool card nonetheless, Flamekin Harbinger. One mana, search for an elemental, put it on top of your library, right? It's pretty good with a tolly, isn't it? Yeah, actually, because you get whatever elemental you need to win the game when you cast it. And then you attack with a tolly and you get it for free. Jeeps, I wonder which one we're going to get. Let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. Geode Golem. Well, we're not going to get this one, but this guy acts as a little bit of a ramp spell if Atali dies. It's a 5-mana five 5-3 five through Trampler. When he deals combat damage to a player, you may cast your commander from the command zone. Just boom, for free. Yeah. So You okay. still have to pay commander tax if your commander's died a bunch of times, but that gets you... Because Atali costs 6, then 8, then 10. That's a lot for a mono red deck in any case, because you still got to use that mana to do other stuff. So if you can reduce that cost from 6 to nothing, or 8 to 2, cheating is awesome. Next up, speaking of big mana in red, we have Neheb the Eternal. Very big mana in red. We actually consulted Neheb's list online to to find some very playable cards. Okay, so 4, 6 for 5, with Afflict 3. So if he's blocked, he deals 3 damage to an opponent. Fine. If he's not blocked, he deals 4, and at the beginning of post-combat main phase, add red for each life your opponents have lost this turn. Each life your opponent opponents have lost this turn. So again, that earthquake that deals 5 to each opponent is going to give you 15 mana from Neheb post-combat. And that scales very well if you're playing in like a ridiculous 6-player game because then he's going to give you 25. <laughs> yeah. 25 mana. I'll tell the story when we get to a particular card in the list about what you can do when you have 25. Next up, we have Oblivion Sower. Okay, 6 mana, 5, 8. When you cast Oblivion Sower, target opponent puts the top 4 cards of his or her library out of the game. Then you get any number of lands that that player owns from exile into play under your control. So if you got a blue player that's sculpting their hand with a scroll rack or some other stupid crap to keep you from getting spells and just getting their islands... You Osoar it and you take all that land. And now you can use that colorless mana to pump into your spells. Oh, and I think Atali, does Atali exiles the top card of their library and then you may cast it? Yeah, and then it's still gone. It's, just, it's still gone. It's still gone if it's a land. Yeah. So you could Soar it like a couple turns later. Yeah. And then just get it. Exactly. Okay, cool. I yeah, like that. It's super good. Yeah, okay. Next up, we have Rampaging Ferocidon. 3-3 three, three for 3, Menace. Players can't gain life. I like that one. Non-bow with one of our cards, but we don't care because we're going to attack and we're going to have more life than them. Anyways, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. Good for token strategies. Ooh, yeah, very much it so. Yeah, it, you want to make 10 tokens? Down. Not anymore, you don't. I guess now is the time because we're going to get into a creature right now that doesn't work well with Rampaging Ferocidons. Part of Red's strategy and build it isn't just chaos full-on straight ahead bulldozer stuff it's using efficient resources at the right time so sometimes you don't just play all the cards in your hand because that's ridiculous sometimes you have to play the right card at the right time resolve the threat wait for somebody else to do something about it then you play the next card yeah and i think red can switch gears like that really well as well <laughs> yeah it's got that one gear you go from one to two to three to four and then you go to 19 like in Fast and the Furious where the rock just keeps shifting up every time he goes around a corner and eventually he'd be in like 45th gear. That's what Red does. <laughs> Specifically what this deck does. And he does it with cards like Rapacious One. That's a 6-drop 5-4 with Trample. When he deals combat damage to a player, put that many 0-1 colorless Eldrazi Scions onto the battlefield that have Sacrifice, get a mana. Makes blockers, makes mana, is a big dude. Yeah, and goes well with another card. Again, one of those scalability guys. Correct. Next up, we were talking about Pyrohemia earlier. Not sure if we're playing it, but it, if we were, it would go really good with Silverclad Ferocidons. Yeah, lots of dinosaurs here. Okay, 7 drop, 8, 5 within Rage. Whenever it's dealt damage, dealt damage at all. Yep. Each opponent sacks a permanent. Boom. Each opponent sacrifices a permanent. That's it. That's it. So if we were playing Pyrohemia and we just pumped five into it, everybody's taken five, and then they have to sack five permanents. Or you could pump four into it, and then your silver-clad Ferocidon swings at him for eight. Yeah. That's so good. Sweet. Okay, we talked about this. We have one of those overloaded elementals in Soul Bright Flamekin. Two, one for two. Pay two. Target creature gains trample until end of turn. That's good with your silver-clad Ferocidon. If this is the third time that you've resolved this ability this turn, what is that, eight? 
Eight. You add eight red to your mana pool. You add red, 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 red to your mana pool. <laughs> I like saying it like that. <laughs> so you pay six into it, and you get eight out of it once in a turn. Yeah, you can't do that every turn, so you can't just use that eight mana to do it again. But it's eight mana for six, and that's... Nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, and if you wanted to spruce this deck up a little bit with a lot of utility lands like we like to do on our mono color lists, you could pump in a bunch of colorless mana for the two activation costs, and you can get red out of it. Urzatron Mountain, you have eight red. Sweet. It's pretty good. Next up, we have Stigma Lasher. Two, two for two, Wither. When it deals combat damage to a player, uh, that player can't gain life for the rest of the game. F you, Aloru. Yeah, I like that. And... That's just going to dink somebody for two and put them at less life than you. Forever. Yeah. That will, well, not, I mean, you Maybe might not go, forever, you yeah. might go down, but they're not going up. You put them to 38 with Stigma Lasher, they're going to be at 38 or less, period. Sweet. Next up, we have Stone Shaker Shaman. 1-1 one, one for three. I don't really like this guy in this deck, but at the end of each player's turn, that player sacrifices an untapped land. I guess that shuts off, like, counter spells unless they want to sack a land. It gets people using their mana every turn. And I'm, it's contrary to what you say, sometimes you just, you got to play out your stuff or you're playing red, so your hand's empty. Because yeah. you've played everything, so you just play your thing every turn. You play your thing every turn, and if you don't have anything, you just tap out all your land. You know what? That might speed the game up, actually. I, I actually like that card. I changed my mind. Yeah, it's it's a cool card. Uh, shout out to Dean Goody. He's the one that turned me on to that card. Uh, F you, Dean Goody. That's what I say. <laughs> Next up, we got a good one from this year's Commander product in Treasure Nabber. Oh, 3-2 three, for 3. Whenever an opponent taps an artifact for mana... You gain control of that artifact until end of turn. Next turn. Next turn. Like your next turn. So if they tap a Sol Ring, you get it until the end of your next turn. I like that as a pseudo kind of ramp spell in red because you steal their mana rocks. Everybody's playing mana rocks. I wish that we could afford a Kark Clan Ironworks because then we could steal all their mana, tap it, sack it, and, and laugh at them. That would be sweet. That'd be good. Next up, this is an Atali card. It's just to remind everybody what Atali does. Plus, he's good in the deck anyway, in Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger. Yeah, 10 drop, 10, 10. When he enters the battlefield, exile two permanents. He's indestructible. And when he attacks, defending player exiles the top 20 cards of their library. Also good with Oblivion Sower. Yes. More so, you get a 10, 10 indestructible for free. Yes. That's the best part of that. That's the best part of the whole thing, correct. And he would work really well if you had an Urabrask the Hidden in play. Five drop, four, four. Your creatures have haste. Your opponent's creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Is this the last creature? No, there's two more. But this is the first one that we're going to do, Zozu the Punisher. Whenever a land enters a battlefield, Zozu the Punisher deals two damage to that land's controller. He's a 2-2 two, two for three. And that guy I like because you are going to punish people if mid to late game they're just going to drop their extra land cards in their hand you're going to start to punish them and it's going to make bane firing or comet storming them just that much easier it's, i mean you, we don't have a whole apart from the oblivion sower windfall plan there's not a whole lot of ramp in this deck whereas if you're playing something that's playing green or something that maybe even a white deck where they can use their yeah, you know what, mid, mid to late game, if you can shut off that ramp player from getting so much farther ahead of you in mono red, that's really good. You, and and if you don't, you're you're going to kill them because they're at way less life than you. We talked about how last week again with Suicide Black, your life is a resource, unless you're playing against this deck. Because you can't <laughs> sack yourself down to one, two, three, four, because this deck will kill you. Let's do the last creature. Last creature. Now, as we talk, when we're done talking about this guy, keep this guy in mind for the rest of the episode because he is your go from 11 to 22 out of 10. This is how you do it. Yeah. This is your boy, and it's your boy Hostility. Red, 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 three for an elemental so we can find him with uh, Flamekin Harbringer. Six, six, haste. Like him already. If a spell you control would deal damage to an opponent... Prevent that damage. That seems terrible. Also, put a 3-1 red elemental creature onto the battlefield with haste for each one damage prevented this way. So it turns one damage into three damage. From a spell. From a spell. So let's pretend we're playing Earthquake. (laughs) So you Earthquake for one, and each opponent gets one damage dealt to them, but it's prevented. And you get a 3-1 with haste. 
then you attack said opponent and you deal three to them. Instead of doing one to each person, you could hypothetically attack one of them for nine or all of them for three. Or one of them for three, one of them for six, and one of them for zero. Or one of them for six because hostility is still there. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the last part on a hostility is if it's put into your graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's library. It's kind of neat that it has recursion for itself because you can get it again. If you nat draw it and then it dies, it goes back, then you draw your Flamekin Harbringer, you could find it again. You can get it out of your library again to play it again to get your engine running for a second time. Okay, sweet. So that's the creature suite. Keep hostility in mind, and uh, we're going to move to some of our uh, more beefy spells, I think. Yeah. I think that these are going to represent the m most of our targeted and... Uh, mass removal, and I like a lot of yeah. these. So While we're talking about these, remember, Hostility, Chandra's Spitfire, Silverclad Ferostodons. Oh, yeah. Just keep all those things in mind. We're sacking permanents, we're making a giant dude, and we're making dudes that triple the amount of damage you've already done. And now let's throw all that out the window and talk about Chaos Warp. That just, Chaos Warps something. Exactly. <laughs> next up, Comet Storm. I like this one and the next one because they're instant speed. X damage to any target, you can multi-kick it. Every time you multi-kick it, you can target something else. So red, red, X to deal X to one thing. Red, red, one X to deal damage to two things, right? And so, so on and so forth. Keep that one in mind. Again, it's part of the story I'm going to tell in a little bit here. Yes. Next up, fault line. Instant speed earthquake. Oh, Ooh, baby. Red, red, X, X to each creature and each player. Each creature without flying, I should say. Yes. Earthquake is each creature and each player with, or each creature without flying and each player. Just so we can say earthquake from now on. Okay, yeah. All right, next up, into the core. Exile two artifacts. Excellent. Lightning bolt. Actually in here. Removal spell, right? Yep. Uh, damage spell for pumping up your Chandra Spitfire. Uh, damage you can triple your lightning bolt damage with your hostility. It scales very, very well. Because this is lightning bolts. This is the baseline for red damage Did you spells. just say lightning bolt scales well? Yep. In this deck, because of hostility. Welcome to CCO Nation where lightning bolt scales well. This is kind of... What? We're in Bizarro Town, aren't we? Lightning bolt, since the dawn of time, one mana, three damage. Every time, you know exactly what you're getting. But not today? Not when you're playing Hostility, because now it's no damage, take nine. Whoa. Welcome to CCO Nation. <laughs> Next up, we have Soul's Fire. Instant speed. Instant speed. Whoa, okay. Red two. Target creature you control in play. <laughs> what? <laughs> target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. So that Chandra Spitfire that we said was a 19 two or whatever all of a sudden is like take 19 yep and then swing take 19 more yep you've already taken two from somewhere because this is the deck we're playing die, die? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually it would be even bigger you don't even need to have them take damage because soul's fire hurt them and chandra's fire or spitfire is now a 22 three with flying on turn four <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> All right, the last one is Volcanic Fallout. Can't be countered and deals two to each creature and each player, three mana. Just a hard three mana, kills all the tokens, can't be countered. Also scales very well with Hostility because the two damage that would be dealt to each of your opponents is prevented and gives you two three ones that you can then swing in. Yes, very much so. Okay, excellent. Sorceries? Sorceries. Let's keep, on, let's keep the pain train going. Oh, I like that. Banefire. X damage, if X is five or more, can't be countered or prevented. Next up, Chandra's Ignition. Oh, baby. This is one of my favorite cards. Five mana. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. Chandra's Spitfire is a 22-22. Where's our infect in this deck, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, or just a Tali. Six damage to everything and every player. That's pretty good. That is probably going to sweep the board. Especially on turn six, let's say, when you would have your Atali. And it's going to deal six damage, and that's really, that's awesome. 22-22. Next up, Earthquake. That's Earthquake. Flame Break. Flame Break. This is what 
this is the kind of thing that's going to help us get to the long or the, the end game, right? Like this is going to be um, longevity in mono red. So red, 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 flame break deals three damage to each creature with out flying and each player. Okay, so it's like a little mini earthquake. Creatures dealt damage this way can't be regenerated this turn. Uh, it's sort of like incinerate on all of the creatures without flying. Not the card I thought it was, but still helps us get to the late game because it is going to act as a little mini sweeper uh, for those token decks. Maybe you cast this on turn four or five or so, right? Or see Volcanic Fallout for why this is good and can scale up if you have hostility. Very much so. Next up, we have Gamble. This is our other tutor. Search for a card, put it into your hand, discard a card at random. Probably Hostility. Probably Hostility, and if you whiff with your Gamble on Hostility, it gets shuffled back in so you can find it with your Flamekin Harbinger. Yeah. Okay, now this is the card. Everybody knows we're playing this. Let's get it out of the way, and then we're going to tell you exactly why we play it. Mana Geyser. Red, red, three. Add red to your mana pool for each tapped land your opponents control. You've got a story about this one. I was at 10 life and no permanents that were not land. I was totally screwed in a five-player game. I had killed Evan using Insurrection, so there was three people left, all of whom were above 35 life. <laughs> they also had a lot of land, so it went like this. Mana Geyser, Comet Storm, all of you to death, won the game. That's why yeah. that card is in every mono-red deck ever. And if it's not, buy them and put them in your mono-red decks. I don't care if it's not spicy, that card will win you the game at least 50% of the time, or it will make you lose the game because it's going to put you so far ahead, everybody's going to kill you. <laughs> Every time you play it. Yeah, I think that you had like 13 mana, so you used five of it on that, and then you had eight more, and then you got like 36 or something from our tapped lands, and then you Comet Stormed everybody for... Yeah, it was awesome. 40-whatever it was, yeah. Speaking of doing 40, Molten Disaster. That's X to each creature without flying in each player, and you can kick it so it uh, has split second, so you can't counter it, let's just say. Very cool. Next up, Rolling Earthquake. That's Earthquake, but for horsemanship creatures instead of flying creatures. So it gets flying, guys. Excellent. Ruination. Destroys all non-basic lands. We're not playing very many of those, I would assume. Correct. Slagstorm. Three damage to each creature and player. Three damage to each creature or player. Uh, what you said. So if you need an early game to wipe out all the little dudes, do that. If you draw it later in the game and you got your hostility, you can turn that 9 damage against your opponents into 18 damage or 27 damage against an opponent Sweet. by getting elemental creatures. Next up, Vandal Blast. Destroy an artifact or destroy all the artifacts? Fireball. Fireball? Fireball. This is classic. You better be playing the alpha or beta one. So it's X damage to any one target. And you can pay Y, or one more, <laughs> to choose another target beyond the first. It's a tricky it's a tricky one to resolve, but there is a case that we're going to get to later where, again, you could blow this thing up and turn it into just a beating. Moving on. Moving on to the enchantment suite. First up, we have a F your small creatures card in Ether Flash. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, Ether Flash deals two damage to it. Excellent. Very good against elves. Yes. Next up, Braid of Fire. Cumulative Upkeep, add red to your mana pool. That And that's two mana, so you get that on turn two, and every turn you get a mana, then yep. two mana, then three mana. Keep in mind, people are going, why the hell does that exist? For all the kids out there, us old guys remember back in the day where if you didn't spend mana by the end of a phase and it emptied from your pool, it would hurt you. Bro, they even changed that to if you didn't spend mana by the end of the... The phase. The step in the yeah. phase. Oh, shit. Yeah, they they even made it worse. Braid of Fire got worse before it got better. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So Anyways. Bra so now it's totally broken, and it's awesome. So you just use that to play your instance. Go till turn 12, Comet Storm somebody for 10, just because you have this enchantment in play. Yeah, you know what? All of the enchantments, I think, in this deck serve the function of getting us to and through the late game. And Braid of Fire is no different. You plunk it down on turn two, and it's going to float you into the late game because every turn it's just going to give you extra mana that red doesn't usually get. Correct. Hey, Ryan, like redirecting damage? Yes. How about redirecting creature damage? Uh, sure. Curse of Opulence. Ooh, yeah. Spicy Nugget from C17, right? Red mana. Enchant player. It's a curse. When enchanted player is attacked, create a colorless artifact token named gold. It has sacrifice it to add a mana to your mana pool. 
So I curse Smitty, F you Smitty, and you attack him, I get a gold. I attack him, I get a gold. And I get a gold for attacking him too. What if I curse myself? So whenever anybody attacks me, I get the gold. Yeah. That's a tricky little nugget right there. Hey, I like that one. Everybody knew this was coming. Pyrohemia. Okay, red, red, two, pay red, deals one damage to each creature and each player. At the end of turn, if there's no creatures in play, uh, sacrifice Pyrohemia. Don't care about that part. What does this say about me that that's one of my favorite magic arts? You're a psychopath. Yeah. Remember, all we need is for our opponents to be at less life than us. (laughs) And Pyrohemia, like Earthquake, just dump X mana into it. Let's say you're 36 mana from uh, your mana geyser. You're dead. Yeah. Sweet. Next up, we have Repercussion. Okay. Urza's Legacy or something, right? This is an old one. Red, red, one. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, Repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller. You like tokens? You like getting earthquaked? Not anymore. Yeah, so Earthquake deals 10, and then you have three creatures, all of which take 10. So you take 30 more. Yeah. That's 40 for those you keeping track at home. 10-point earthquake with three creatures and repercussion equals you're, you're dead. Next up, we have stolen strategy. Five mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of opponent's library. Kind of like a tolly. At, until end of turn, you can cast non-land cards from among those cards, and you but you have to pay mana for it, right? And you can pay mana as though it were any color. Yeah. So cool. It's kind of like steal a, their shit. It's like a tolly, but you have to pay for it. It takes away a lot of those to-the-top-of-the-deck tutors and a lot of that hand sculpting where it makes it a little bit more difficult for people to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Somebody tries to save their top, now it's your top. That's good. It's like card advantage mid-late game in red where otherwise it wouldn't be drawing cards. You're you're, you're just taking other people's cards. Very cool, uh, very cool card and really neat art. Yeah. Next up, we have Sulfuric Vortex. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, they take two. Players can't gain life. And actually, I like the way this worded. If a player would gain life, that player gains no life instead. <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> Last one, Mana Echoes. Okay, so now we, we, we talk about hostility again. We're beating that train to death, but listen to this. Red, red, two. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may add one to your mana pool for each creature you control that shares a creature type with it. That is a triggered ability that triggers when a creature enters the battlefield. So if you Earthquake for 10... And hostility prevents all that damage and gives you dudes instead. Hostility is preventing 30 damage to your three opponents in total. Yeah. So you're going to get 30 elementals. Correct. That gives you 29 mana. That's right. Per elemental. Per elemental. Because mana echoes sees all of the other ones that enter at the same time as the one that you're resolving the trigger for. Right. And you do that 30 times. Right. So it's 209, it's like, what is it, 897 mana or let's, let's call it 900. Yeah, let's just call it 900 mana. Let's call it 900 mana. 900 mana, and it's removed the hostility so you can use your 900 mana to now directly damage your opponents to death. Yeah, and if you've got something like Banefire that can't be countered, they're going to take an uncounterable 900, or your Molten Disaster, they're going to take a... Split second, 900 damage. You can burn, you can bane fire out the control player so he can't counter your next one. You can comet storm the guy that's playing moat so your guys can't attack. And then you can beat the other guy to death with your 30 elementals. Hold on a second. Let's just, let's just say that 900 damage isn't enough. <laughs> you, you, okay. you haven't reached, you're just not there yet. Those, oh. They're really obnoxious. You can't get them for 900. That's why we play an Ash Nod's altar. What? So you can sacrifice those 30 dudes that you have for 60 more mana and get them for 950. In case you're playing one of those giant, like, 60-player commander games and you got to multi-kick your Comet Storm 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we do it this way. <laughs> also good if you need to get your own creatures out of the way if you have a repercussion and you're earthquaking for 10. Sweet. You can sacrifice your guys for the mana to earthquake for 10, earthquake for 10, kill everybody. Yep. One of the more infuriating things with decks like this is, guys, I used to do it too, where you just earthquake to kill everybody, including yourself. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think it's worth taking up slots in our deck to play things that prevent damage to you. Like, you don't care. All you want is to be at more life. So if you're at 20 and everybody else is at 
18 and you earthquake for 18, you still win the game, right? So you're not going to earthquake for 900. I mean, you could. You could Comet Storm for 900 because you're not taking damage from it. And it's hilarious. But in reality, you've got some dudes to dink them with to get their life total less. And then we've got a couple little weird includes for a mono red deck to actually gain us a little bit of life. Let's look at those. Okay, first one is Dragon's Claw. Whenever a player casts a red spell, you gain a life. Simple. Whenever a person. So yeah. it doesn't just have to be you. And there might be somebody else playing red at the table. And the other one, something you don't see very often anywhere. It's not the best, but it, it serves the purpose. Paradise Plume. That's a four drop. Choose a color. Whenever a player casts a spell of the chosen color, you gain a life. Dragon Claw. Yep. And then also add one mana of the chosen color to a mana pool. So it's actually a mana rock. So it's a mana rock and a gain a life thing. And if you're playing in a game where let's just say everybody's playing green, everybody's playing black, everybody's playing blue, pick that color. It's a thing. Okay. Let's run through the rest of the artifacts. Let's see what we got here. Sol Ring. Dark Steel Plate. That gives creatures indestructible. Probably your Atali or your... Um, Hostility. This? Yeah, him. Doubling cube. Doubles all your mana. So 900 is not enough. How about uh, 1,800? Endless Atlas. Ah, yes. Okay. Two drop. Two tap. Draw a card. Love it. But you can only activate this ability if you have three or more lands with the same name. Still love it because Lock. mountain. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Gilded Lotus. Hazareth's Monument. Ooh. Red creatures cost one less to cast. Whenever you cast a creature spell, discard a card. If you do, draw a card. Filters your, filters your handout, gets rid of those dead things. If you're going into the late game, you can turn something that's maybe a little bit dead, a little bit less helpful into, hopefully, some gas. Yeah, you've got a land. You don't care about that late game because you've got rocks and rituals to make huge mana. You want anything else. Inspiring statuary. It gives all your things improvised, which makes all of your uh, artifacts into mana rocks, right? Yeah, you can tap all your artifacts for that great big earthquake. Hazard's Monument taps for one. Inspiring statuary taps for one. The next card, Lightning Greaves, taps for one. That's Shroud and Haste for Atali. Now, this is a little bit greasy, I know, but we're including it. Mana Vault. Taps for three, doesn't untap, deals a damage, you can untap it for four. Fine. You, you just need that big mana early game. Yeah. Mimic Vat. Graveyard Hate, steal a creature, you get it. Scales super well. Pyromancer's Goggles. Ooh, five drop. Taps for red. If you use that red to cast an instant or sorcery spell, double it. Is Comet Storming for 1800 not enough? Do it twice. Yes, or just like um, Volcanic Fallout twice. That's fine because it's going to actually wrath the board. Or what you said. That's right. I got the look. Sunset Pyramid. This is a card draw spell as well. Two drop, comes into play with three brick counters on it. Remember <laughs> those little perforated brick counters that they give you in Amonkhet or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Um, two, tap, remove a brick counter, draw a card. Sweet. Once you have no more brick counters, uh, you can two tap scry one. And that's good with a tolly. Super good with a tolly, yeah. Scales very well. Next up, we have Sword of Light and Shadow. This one is weird in this list. You tell us what it does and why it's in here. Sword of Light and Shadow gives equipped creature plus two plus two, pro white, pro black. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you gain three life, which gets you out of reach of your own spells, and you can return a target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Maybe you want your Naheb, maybe you want your Soul Bright Flamekin, maybe you want your Elemental for one that finds your hostility again. Also, it gives your Atali or your hostility protection from the two most prevalent removal colors in Magic. There's no pathing, there's no vendettaing, none of that crap. They have to either sweep it and get everything, or they just have to deal with the sword first. And you're okay with a sweep it and get everything anyways, because you want to last until the late game. Exactly. Cool. And it turns your six pump guy into eight power, and eight power is good. Yes, because yeah. then he's a three pump guy. Exactly. Sweet. Next up, last one, we have Thaumatic Compass. Two drop, pay three, tap, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and then shuffle your library at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control seven or more lands, transform it, and it transforms into... It transforms into functionally a maze of it. Taps for, it taps for mana or it removes a creature from combat, prevents all the damage to it. Sweet. Which works good with your Atali if you're just going on the Atali plan because you can attack, remove your Atali from combat, cast all those spells for free, your Atali's still there, untapped, ready to block. Excellent. It's like you've done that before. <laughs> Maybe. And the last card in the list that isn't land is a Jaya Ballard. Five drop, five loyalty. Her plus one is add three 
to your mana pool and spend this on instants and sorceries only. Not a problem. Yeah, we're good with that. Also plus one, you can discard oh, up to yeah. three cards to draw that many cards. I was going to say minus, but that's a plus. A, pl a mono red planeswalker that adds loyalty to draw you cards. Let that sink in. We like her, yeah. What's her, what's her minus? We probably don't care because we just want to draw cards with her, but let's see what it is. It's actually pretty good. It's minus eight. You get an emblem, and you know how fair those are. You may cast instants and or sorcery spells from your graveyard, and then they go away. So it basically gives you permanent, less good Yawgmoth's Will. It just gives your stuff flashback. Yeah, that too. For its mana cost. I like saying it my way better because I know how much you like Yogg's Will. Sweet. So that's the list. Okay, there's a couple of land cards that I want to point out really fast, both because I think it's something that hits something I think should be built into any mono red EDH list if you have a little bit of extra money and there's just some cool stuff that I put in and some stuff that's notably excluded. Instead of playing the cycling lands that draw you cards, I'm playing the lands like Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse. Because cycle lands, if you don't cycle them and play them tapped, all you've done is play a tapped land. With an Evolving Wilds, yeah, your land is still tapped, but you've also filtered another kind of dead draw out of your deck. You've removed a land card from your hand, so you don't hit it with a Tully. Exactly. So theoretically, if you've got the budget or the collection to support it, every fetch land that you could possibly play. Would make this deck, every one you put in is going to make the deck one card faster or better. One Atali trigger better. Yes. Okay. That, and that's very important. Also, this is a cool one. Flamekin Village. If you, you you tap red and it, target creature gains haste. That works for you with your Atali or your Ulamog, or it also could be used as a really fun political thing. Could be used that way. Or you just have your hostility in your Atali and you know that they're not going to attack you and you give something else haste anyways and they dink somebody and that's how you get that person to less life. Correct. You just use it subtly. You're like, ha now you're all at three points less than me. Earthquake, die. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, and the last thing I want to touch on is I'm playing mountains and snow-covered mountains. Now, I'm playing both of them because in a deck like this, you have space kind of to do that and... Lots of red decks out there, specifically the Duretti decks. It's a competitive list. It's a popular list. Lots of people play it. And lots of people will play Extra Planar Lens. And if you play Snow Covered and Basic Mountain, you're going to get that benefit regardless. And lots of people are going to play Snow Covered Mountains because they think you're not. And if you do too, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those ways to next level some scumbag that's trying to double his own mana and F you. Sweet. Last one I want to hit on is, sorry, last two. Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx. It's going to give you a red equal to your devotion to red. And lots of those elementals are like red, red, red. Or Atali himself is red, red. Right? So you're going to get lots of red from that. It's a few bucks, but it's a good one for monocolored decks. And I like Shivan Gorge, or old Urza's Saga classic. Red to tap. Shivan Gorge deals one damage to each of your opponents. How many times am I going to say... All you want is for your Earthquakes to kill everybody except you. That's going to help you because it's going to dink them. Cost you four mana, right? Three and to tap it. Um, but if you can activate that two or three times mid to late game when you don't have any cards in your hand anyways, you're going to get out of your land. You're going to get, you know, three, six, nine, twelve damage out of your land. That's pretty cool. Cool. That's the deck. That's the deck. Moving right into it, just so we can stay on time budget, time budget, <laughs> strengths and weaknesses. I got a couple strengths, and then you highlighted a weakness that I definitely want to talk about. Strengths, unexpected wins. Uh, Those are nothing. the best kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing nothing, you're doing nothing, you're doing nothing. This is going to be awesome. Everybody take 900. How good, until you've done that, you don't know how good that feels. That is that, that is a special place in magic that really only happens in Commander. Because there's a, there's a, oh, you know, da, da 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 I win, or infinite draw, I win. But when you can put a number on it, and, and the number is obscene, like I'm going to burn you for so much, you're dead in the next game. I've won the next three games because of how much damage <laughs> I've done to you. <laughs> you can't even play the next game, you're so dead. And that's fun. Excellent. Kills the whole table at once. Very good. Yeah, and that that's something that is common in Commander with combo decks, but uh, not usually red-based aggro decks. 
So that is uh, that's pretty cool. That's a cool little problem that you've identified and solved there as part of Arc of Mono Problematic. Yeah. Weaknesses. Not a whole ton of protection for yourself if the opponent has a lot of attacking creatures that you can't sweep with your slag storms and your volcanic fallouts and stuff. If they put together, like, I'm thinking maybe like an Edgar Markov deck that gets a whole bunch of vampires that all have two or three buffs on them. We've all seen that. It, uh, it's hard to deal with, and it's fast, and it's relentless, and this deck probably has a hard time with that because you just can't continuously block. Yeah, especially since maybe those vampires have flying now, and yeah, only right? your rolling earthquake gets them. It's it's a little tricky for that, yeah. For sure. So dedicated, like the high-power dedicated aggro decks in the format will probably give this deck a lot of trouble, but at the same time, those decks give everybody a lot of trouble. Right? Yeah, so they're, they're the ones under the hate umbrella where they're trying to protect themselves, which takes the hate off of you, which gets you to that late game where you can just earthquake and kill everybody. Next weakness, kind of a little bit nuts to the wind. You're, you're banking on people leaving you alone if you don't have a lot of blockers. You're banking on some little piddly damage spells that typically just annoy people so they attack you back. Say, hey, here's the three damage back that you gave me. Yeah. So you just got to watch out for that. I think you play the political game. You got to play the game outside the game with this deck a little bit. And the one that I identified is this is a deck that, yeah, we're saying, oh, yeah, 900. Whatever. That takes a little bit of setup. There's a couple of cards that you have to play so to build up each of your turns you kind of have to do something and you always have to be doing something even if it's just establishing a better board presence you got to work hard to establish that presence so you can just waste everybody and you got to do it without them knowing that you're doing it yeah and red is notorious for not really being able to do that very good because it can't draw a bunch of cards to be doing stuff every single turn so you got to draw it out or use the advantage on your land that I just talked about while not letting people know that that's what you're trying to do. You can't go all in too soon or you'll just end up getting wrecked. Because once people realize what this deck is doing, you're going to be in trouble. And Atali draws a lot of hate by himself, so you're kind of at a disadvantage already. Like, yeah, you're not playing the typical Atali deck, but there isn't... The prototypical Atali deck just steals all their crap and plays it for free, and that's what you're doing. Yeah, now, last strength. I want to I want to end on a positive with the strengths and weaknesses because um the typical Atali deck feels very aggro, very big, very rakdosy, free stuff, very animari, almost comboy, almost stormy, but you've turned it a little bit into a control deck with let's call it a, a late game kind of combo-esque finisher. Um what you're definitely not doing is playing like that artifacty Duretti stacks list. Yes. And that's a definite positive. <laughs> yes, I'm trying really, really hard to go back to my aggro burn deck roots and get away from the stacks playing scumbag that I had turned into for a couple of weeks there. <laughs> Try harder. <laughs> Budget section. Suggestions section. Budget and suggestion section. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Sword of Light and Shadow. Cavern of Souls, Mana Vault, and Ulamog. Most expensive cards. Are they required for the deck to function as is? 100% required or 0% required? You answer. No, they are not. The The Vault gets you there quicker, which... And it's kind of getting reprinted. It's getting reprinted, which gives us a... Shout out to our bonus episode that Ooh, might be coming up soon. I love me some bonus episodes. The Sword is straight up protection for your guys. Not Not required... Just really, really helpful. Ulamog is only in there because he is an Atali card, and I wanted to play at least one. And he fits into the strategy and works with some of the other cards in the deck. And Cavern of Souls is just there strictly for value, just to show and so that we could touch on the fact that control magic, counter spells, countering your hostility and or your Atali can be crippling and brutal. So you just got to find a cheap, efficient way of doing that. And when I say cheap, I mean inexpensive in terms of mana and not in terms of your wallet. <laughs> so as it stands, the deck right now on our tapped out page is 100 is $393. That's kind of higher budget for us, but if you cut those four cards, you're looking at a deck that's like in the 220 
$250 range, which is probably on par with most EDH decks because, you know, cards just cost money and that $250 is kind of just what's kicking around in your collection. And really. Lots, and I mean, 10 bucks comes from playing snow covered lands. The Atali foils have a fairly high premium on them. And lots of this deck, lots of this deck are cards that you're going to play in other decks. Oh yeah. You've got mountains and, and stuff highlighted as foils, So we know to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, I would say if you cut those four cards, you might be looking at 200 bucks right on the nose. And that'd be nice. And that's a good price for a deck because, again, that's just hanging around your trade binder. For sure. Lots of this stuff is things that are probably in your trade binder because as much as we have a few cards that are really expensive, 63 cards in this deck are less than two bucks. I like that. Should we go to everyone's favorite part? You mean card of the, of week. the week. Week, week, week? I meant the next section, but everybody likes card of the week as well. It's a special time to like card of the week because we're giving it away. What do you got this week? You picked this one, and I think it's a little bit of a weird include, but also a little bit of a spicy include because you don't see it a whole ton. It's falling into favor in Commander as average converted mana costs of decks trend downwards and things speed up and people are starting to really like that CEDH, if that's what you're into. What do you got? Classic old favorite, one of my favorite cards of all time, Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt. And remember, we're giving it away in foil, so nothing to uh, scoff at, I guess, right? Especially if you play Modern or Legacy or whatever, it definitely sees play there. Yeah, people like spite like foil bolts. I like foil bolts. So let's let's share the love a little bit. I think it's going to be a really cool one. I think that as EDH kind of moves on, I don't want to say we're going to be forced to play Lightning Bolt to deal with those early game creatures, but as it stands right now, rocking a Lightning Bolt in a mono red deck gets a lot of stuff that just needs to die sometimes. Yeah, it gets infectors, it gets elf decks, it gets vampires, it gets all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. It gets all it gets Oracle of Moldiah. Hey, there's one. You know what? And it comes in a lot of different foil versions. So we're going to find something something special. Send it your way along with the other cards of the week in foil all the way up until Christmas time. Necropotence, Cyclonic Rift, Cathar's Crusade. And now Lightning Bolt. And now Lightning Bolt. Sweet. Should we move to the Milk List? Everybody loves the Milk List. So the Milk List, for any of our new listeners, is, as per edhrec.com, the highest played cards in each converted mana cost slot from zero up to 16 usually in the color that we're talking or color combination that we're talking about today mono red or as the kids say balls to the wall sure okay at the zero drop slot highest played card ever flowing chalice nah Mm, good place for that 900 mana to go though i'm just <laughs> saying at the one drop slot every single deck Every single color combination is Soul Ring. So we look at the top three. Yes, we do. Number one, Soul Ring. We're playing it. The number two card at the one converted mana cost slot, Vandal Blast. Yeah, we're playing that one too. We, we are. Okay, so we're going to count that as one Milk List match. Number three at the one drop slot, Faithless Looting. Nope. That's a card draw spell. It is. I like that one. Two drop slot, Mindstone. Nope. Three drop, Chaos Warp. Yep. Solemn Simulacrum at four. Nope. Gangbang Commander at five. Nope. Do not Google that. Cage Sun at six. Nope. Mere Battlesphere. Nope. Insurrection. Nope. Blast Femus Act. Nope. Metalwork Colossus. Nope. Blightsteel at twelve. Nope. Emrakul two at thirteen. Nope. We jump to sixteen. Draco. Duh. What the hell? Who's playing that? <laughs> two milk list matches if you don't count Sol Ring. Which I don't. Uh, I don't remember if we do or not. But two milk list matches. That's a good one. Now. The final thing of the show. This is what I like the most. The Spice Calculator. So, popularity on EDHREC.com. It's the 23rd most popular mono-red commander. That is not good. That is low, hey? I think because it's kind of new. When I first saw him, I was like, I'm building that deck. I'm building it right now, period. I bought a whole bunch of them. I, got, I think I have five of them now, so if you still need to trade for one, I got an extra one. <laughs> and it's... I love this card, and I was so pumped to build it, and I sat down to do it. It's just like... Everybody else did the same thing yeah, that I'm doing already. Yeah, I can do something better, and it took me until right now to find a place for Atali. So I think that may be why he's so low as well. Could be. He, he kind of just does that one thing where you do the Storm Infinite attack step deck. and Yeah, it, lots of attack, extra attack phases. He almost plays like Narset, right? Yeah, he's like a mono-red mono Narset. Narset. Yeah. Okay. kick my own ass for doing that shit. Well, 141 lists on EDHREC.com 
your average converted mana cost 3.22 lower than what i thought but that's because you're playing a lot of two drop or two casting cost spells in your earthquake effects yeah fireball and earthquake and rolling earthquake all count as one drop spells but they're not yeah they're like 900 drop spells exactly but, 900 <laughs> <laughs> we said that this was a slower controlling deck until you win all at one time so our critical turn for this deck, the turn that if left unchecked, you will win the game. Uh, we maxed that out in our formula at turn six. Slow yeah. deck, right? Yeah, it's a slower deck. For slow sure. Deck. Optimal game size. Really, you don't want to be taking damage from extra opponents, so four players. But the more players that you can prevent damage to from hostility, the better the deck is going to be. So I set that at a five-player game would be, would be optimal. I think that's fair. That's the what I was going to say, too. The formula can go up to six and down to four, um, so I just put it in the middle. I think the magic number might be five. I think that five is where kind of you want to live. Okay. Two tutors in the deck, again, to find that hostility. That does affect the spice rating, but the uniqueness rating of the deck. Cards different than the average or the stock list on edhrec.com, you're playing 45 cards that are different. Yeah! You punch it all in. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Spice rating, 53. 50 test! You pass the 50 test. If you did want to cut one of the tutors because they do add redundancy to the deck and sometimes we say that that isn't as fun for a unique gameplay experience, that's what we're about, you would bump your spice rating up to 66. That would be the 60 test, which is the 50 test with honors. Very, very excellent. That's very good. And we do talk about the varied gameplay experience, and you might look, well, this isn't have a varied gameplay experience, just you earthquake and win the game. But the, the the adventure is the journey. How you get there is different every time. you got to figure <laughs> out, are you going to do it with repercussion? Are you going to do it with hostility? Are you going to do it just by hoping you don't die for the turns as you can play every land in the deck? Are you playing plane chase, and you're just totally hosed, and all of a sudden you win somehow? God damn plane chase. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know what? That almost sounds like a final thoughts of the day. So why don't you get into the final thoughts of the day and remind everybody how they can win our Christmas altar giveaways and our card of the week giveaway on our new and improved YouTube channel. Okay. So our giveaways are basically as followed. If you are not a patron and are able slash thinking about becoming one before Christmas, now's a good time. It will enter you to receive a free Christmas altar from our boy Ryan. They're very cool. I've seen the pile. They're really nice. He's preparing for it. If you are currently a patron and do not want to increase your pledge, that's fine. You are entered already into a giveaway for a premium altar of some kind. We haven't quite decided what the cards are yet, but we'll let you know closer to giveaway time. And we have a bonus Christmas altar giveaway where if you go to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, smash the like button, leave a comment, you'll be entered into the hat for that one, as well as our card of the week giveaway, which stands at four cards currently, Cathar's Crusade, Cyclonic Rift, Necropotence, Lightning Bolt, all in foil, heading your way if you are the lucky winner of that one. Check out CommanderCookout.com for how to reach us if you have any questions about that, comments on that for deck lists you think we should do for green and or artifact, or just to say hi, we really, really do like that. As far as final thoughts of the day was, I think that this deck is exactly the kind of thing that I like to play because it's a puzzle to get to the end, and the end is something that is so effing cool because nothing feels better than doing 200 damage to somebody, at least to me as I'm an aggro player. I don't want to combo them. I don't want to mill them. I don't want to draw them out. I want to hurt them so bad that they just curl up into a little ball and die on their chair in real life. Maybe not in real life. <laughs> but the point is the deck is pretty cool. It's pretty affordable. You could probably build a fairly significantly close version of it with just stuff in your trade binder, which we also like to do because this isn't cards that you play all the time, which again is what we're here for on CCO Podcast. And we will do that again with a mono green list on the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! 